right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Sporting Post. And listen, Kat, we've got a massive week of footy to dive into and dissect like only we can. What what do you got for us? Yeah, so we're going to have a look at the past week of finals that we had. It was a bit crazy. Yeah, a couple that we expected, a couple we didn't. So I'm really keen to get into it, Mitch. Yeah, it's going to be good. But I believe that there was just an announcement made by Gillan McLaughlin, a bit of breaking news for us. Can Can you take us through that one? Yeah, of course. So... We have the grand final officially moved to Perth, which is super exciting. Never done, been done before, obviously. So the MCG won't be the location. In addition to the grand final, we also had the Brownlow move to WA and the grand final parade, which is super exciting that that can go ahead. And at least the grand final will feel a bit more normal this year. We also, it was confirmed that Victoria will gain extra games in the coming seasons which I think is only fair. But yeah, what are your thoughts on a Perth Grand Final? Yeah, I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, we obviously want to have fans at the game. That's the most important thing at the end of the day. It's, it's, a, it's a marquee event. It's one of the biggest events on the sporting calendar in Australia. And we don't want to just, for the sake of tradition, have it at an empty stadium. And I think that's, if, if anything, that's doing the game more justice and doing the tradition of having a, a packed house at the grand final more justice. So I think it's absolutely the right move by the AFL. And look, we, we, we kind of saw this one coming. We kind of figured that this was going to be the case, but it's good that it's been officially determined now. Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree. I'd much rather watch a game with fans, even if it was played at the MCG with a very limited crowd. I just don't think it would be the same. And I'd much rather just watch it. No. And I wouldn't be going anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the MCG is such a massive stadium. You need to have a lot of fans there to, to get the same atmosphere as you might get from having a small number of fans at a smaller ground. So I think what they've done here is 100% right. Anyway, moving along from that, we obviously have a bunch of footy to that just took place last weekend to cover. Uh, so the first game up was Geelong versus Port Adelaide on Friday night. Port Adelaide got up over the Cats, 86 to 43. And look, from the outset, it was a dominant performance by Port Adelaide. Alir Alir especially in that first quarter was just extraordinary. He's known for his inset marks and that first quarter he was just all over the place, just could not be stopped. Was getting in the way of everything, was was making it really difficult on the Cats forward line and from then on, the Cats just really couldn't do anything to make a real dent in the, the lead that Port Adelaide blew up. Yeah, I completely agree. With Orazio Fantasia, he was huge for Port. Four goals there, mm-hmm. but unfortunately subbed out with a knee issue, so wasn't the great ending that he wanted to have, but he was part of the win nonetheless. We also had Stephen Motlop with two goals and Sam Palpepper with two goals, which was huge. I think Port were massive and really credit to them. Again, it wasn't a great outcome for the Cats. I did see some talk of Chris Scott potentially being under a lot of pressure if they don't win the grand final this year, just because they've been so strong for so long, yet starved of that premiership so what are your thoughts on that Mitch yeah well just on on DeLong's performance I mean outside of Mitch Duncan who had 33 touches which was an equal game high DeLong players just couldn't get their hands on the footy I mean Cam Guthrie and Joel Selwood with 17 touches each Paddy Dangerfield had 23 but not a huge impact on the game and then down forward Gary Rowan one of the three key players in DeLong's forward line was goalless and then you had Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron with three goals combined. I mean, when, when you look at that in its totality, the Cats have no chance of winning. 
Yeah, completely agree. If their key players aren't going to have an impact on the game. And I think really what it came down to was just pace and age. I mean, the Cats looked old out there running around and they are old. Like most of their players are in are on the wrong side of 30 at this stage. And yeah, I mean, Port was just able to carve them up through the interior and move the ball effortlessly from their back line into their forward 50. And Geelong just couldn't do the same. And that's really what it came down to, just a really low-scoring affair on Geelong's behalf, purely because they couldn't transition the ball quickly out of their back line. Yeah, completely agree. And I know at least I was expecting that to kind of happen. I think Geelong plays such a slow game style and they really value the control of the ball. And if they don't have their say over the game, if they can't dictate that game style, they have throughout the season just gotten torn apart if they can't, especially Port, who plays such a fast-paced game. I think, like you said, their age really showed there and it um, it will be interesting to see what happens with Chris Scott going forward. Yeah, it will be. I personally wouldn't wouldn't get rid of him. I think he's still a very good coach. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, like, who else, who else is out there? Like, the, the, the people talk about, oh, we need to get rid of this coach, but the next step is finding a different coach. And I don't know if there's a coach out there. I mean, Ross Lyon's probably going to end up over at Carlton. So who's the coach out there? Alistair Clarkson's not available. So who's the coach that they're going to find that's going to do a better job than what Chris Scott can do? I just don't think it makes any sense. Anyway, enough of enough of the cats. I think it's time to talk about the the derby down in Tasmania. So Sydney taking on the Giants. The Giants ended up coming away one point victors, in spite of having a pretty substantial lead at various points of the game. It really came down to just one solitary point. Cat, was what were your thoughts over that game? Yeah, it was a really good display of football. I think it was an exciting game. It was the only game that was won. Under 30 points, I believe. Yeah, um, less than five goals. All the other games were more than 33 points. So, yeah, that, that to put that in perspective, yeah. Yeah, as a fan, it was definitely my favourite game to watch over the weekend and a great opportunity for Taz to show what they can offer as a stadium. So, yeah, I really loved it. Sydney actually won the inside 50 count with 65 to 45 inside 50s which typically would win you the game, but GWS proved them wrong. So, yeah, they led by seven points halfway through the fourth quarter. Sydney made a strong campaign to come back. They kicked six points in a row, the last six scores of the game. A couple rushed behinds there. Mm -hmm. But all in all, it was a great win for GWS, their first final since the traumatic 2019 grand final. (laughs) So it's really great to see the club in that position. Yeah. I mean, look, it it was a difficult one to swallow for Sydney because, like you said, they had so many opportunities down the back end. I mean, Isaac Heaney was brilliant keeping them in the game or getting them back into the game, I guess, with four goals in the second half. But they had their opportunities. I mean, the big one for me was Buddy in in his preferred left half forward flank, 50 out. And that's a kick that he nails. That's been his bread and butter for his whole career. And he's a guy that they're paying a lot of money to do exactly that. And look, he was okay on the day, pretty solid actually, had three goals. But at that really key moment, he just didn't have it. And it was really a shame for Sydney fans to have to go out like that after having so many opportunities to, and a couple of like ones that hit the post as well, so close, but at the end of the day, that's how 40's played. It's played on the margins and, you know, there's 
oftentimes it's just a, it's a small two centimeters or a few seconds that can prove the difference and that's how it panned out but there was another pretty major story that came out of that whole game and that was the toby green affair uh bumping it into an umpire at one of the intermissions to the game and listen cat do you want to talk us through that because there's been some updates quite recently as it pertains to that situation yeah, so obviously throughout the game, what you would be expecting people to talk about was the three goals that Toby Green has kicked for his side <laughs> to get them over the line. Yet again, he finds himself in another scandal. The jury found him guilty of contact with an umpire. It wasn't really disputed that they made contact. That was fairly obvious. It was a kind of shoulder, you would call it. Um, but yeah, 12.35 today, the jury found him guilty of a disrespectful, demonstrative and aggressive show. So mm. Toby Green's rep actually argued that the financial penalty should be $25,000 fine, saying that media coverage has already met that need to deter people from contacting umpires, from disrespecting umpires and really making that point. Yet the AFL was really persistent on making a show of the affair. So the uh, AFL hierarchy is actually quite disappointed with this, but he was awarded a three-match ban. So that's a huge blow to GWS moving forward. I know as a Sydney supporter, you'd be quite frustrated. You'd be thinking, at least I'm thinking, Sydney could have probably gone a bit further compared to the Giants without Toby Green. But it will be interesting to see GWS without Toby Green facing Geelong next week. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Well, even if they make the grand final now, he won't be a part of the team. Not that I'm expecting them to make the grand final, but yeah. best case scenario for them, he's not going to be in the grand final. But, yeah, it was an interesting one. I mean, we don't have a lot of prior instances of this kind of thing happening. We have seen Tom Hawkins go for, I think it was a week, a few years back with for a similar kind of incident, although a lot less, I guess, forceful than the Toby Green altercation. But I think... To be honest, I think they got it about right. I think three weeks was kind of what I was thinking after it happened. I thought, yeah, probably three weeks is what I would expect him to get rubbed out for. And to be honest, I think I think it works. I mean, the the umpire himself gave gave evidence and kind of said that, you know, it wasn't a super forceful thing. He didn't feel threatened by Toby Green. But at the same time, you know, it's completely unacceptable making contact with an umpire in that way where it was clearly, I mean, Toby had tried to argue that he didn't even know he'd made contact, which to me was just absurd. There's no way you could do that and then not realize you'd made contact. That's just completely ridiculous. So I don't think that testimony was legitimate at all. So I do think that he knew it happened and I do think that there was a certain amount of intent behind that. I don't think you could just put it down to carelessness. And even if you could, it's still completely unacceptable to not be aware of your surroundings and to bump into an umpire in that manner. So I think I do think they got it about right. I understand the AFL wanted to really make a big stand against it, and I do get that, and I do sympathise with that perspective. But I think ultimately we do have to have a sense of balance and perspective on the whole thing. And so I think three weeks is about right. What do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. I think a fine would have been really letting him off and... As Ben Isle, I believe that's how you pronounce his representative's name, argued that media coverage has already met that need to deter. It's really blown up in the media. It's kind of overshadowed GWS's win, to be honest. But, yeah, with you, I completely agree. I just think a six-match ban would have been a bit excessive 
but a three-match ban taking him out of finals but then just still proving that point was really crucial. Yeah. And as big of a blow as it is to GWS, I think they're just going to have to cop it because, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really think that whole Toby tax has been applied in this situation. I know people will argue that if it was anyone else, he could have gotten off, but I just don't think that's the case here. Yeah, but would anyone else have done it, right? That's the thing people say, oh, it's just Toby Green. But Exactly. Okay, but no one else is bumping into umpires on intentionally. I mean, look. Plenty, plenty of players have had issues with umpiring calls all throughout AFL history. It happens all the time, every game, every quarter, every five minutes. Okay, someone's got an issue with what an umpire has decided, but they don't then feel the need to make physical contact with an umpire in order to prove a point. Okay, it's fine if you want to talk about it. You know, if you want to have, if you want to state your case to the umpire, that I don't have a problem with. But using, you know, physicality when you're a big, strong guy, right out there using your kind of physicality to, to try and prove a point is really not the right way to go about it. Yeah. I do think Toby needs to really work on his his maturity and that side of his game because he is undeniably a terrific footy player, one of the best in the league that we have. But you know what they say, availability is the best ability, right? <laughs> right. So if you're not, not going to be out there for your team because you're doing stupid stuff outside of the game, then what's the point of being the best player in the league or a top five player in the league, the best player ever, okay? If you're not out there on the park contributing to winning, there's no point. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's obviously talks of him, you know, potentially leading GWS in the future as captain. And I agree that on field, he does have that presence and passion and commitment to a club is huge. I mean, just his celebration of their win alone Mm. was super powerful and it says a lot about, his commitment to GWS and his passion. But like you said, it just, if you're not available, it doesn't look great. And it really overshadows his talent and his contributions to the game. But enough of Toby Green. I could talk about it for ages. <laughs> we did have another game. It was quite a big margin. We had Brisbane versus Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne proving once again why they were minor premiers. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it was, well, it was a really high-scoring affair, at least early on, nine goals in the first quarter. And look, this this game was kind of won through the midfield. I mean, Clayton Oliver was huge, 33 touches, seven clearances and a goal. Bailey Fritch with four goals. Christian Petrarca had two goals of his own within the space of two minutes. And look, on the lines end, they, they played an okay game as well, especially Charlie Cameron. Essentially kept them in the game all by himself at various points. He had five goals. I think five of their first six if I remember correctly, something like that. He was basically a, a lone hand down forward there for much of the game. At Lockie Neal as well, 46 touches, which was a record-breaking effort for the most disposals in a VFL-AFL game. So that was a pretty extraordinary effort by him. But look, Melbourne proved themselves to be the better team. Maxi Gorn was dominant in the ruck, 50 hitouts to the Lions, 31. Was again another factor in the game, getting those balls down to Clayton Oliver for him to get the clearances. What did you think about this one, Kat? Yeah, I completely agree. I think Melbourne are really on track to win their first premiership, which is super exciting. I think it's really well-deserved. They've come out of nowhere compared to last year, but it's been a long time coming. Unfortunately, McStay was subbed off very early in the game with a concussion, which proved really costly for the Lions. I do think the Lions weren't terrible, absolutely. Like you said, Charlie Cameron proved why he's so crucial to their forward line. He's such a big-time player. He's really exciting to watch as a fan. 
but they just couldn't get over the line. No. They are facing dogs next week, which will be interesting. I think it's a really good matchup, to be honest, Lions versus the dogs. Mm-hmm. I'm keen to watch that game. They're not out, but they've definitely made it difficult for themselves. Mm. And look, speaking of the dogs, obviously they got up over Essendon in what was the biggest margin of the weekend, 85 to 36 for a 49-point win. And the Bombers' drought of over, what is it, 6,200 days or something like that without winning an AFL final continues. And look, a really disappointing showing for them. They, they weren't up to it at all for most of this contest. They really looked outclassed by a better side. And yeah, it was a, they, the dogs kicked 11 of the last 12 goals of the game. That really says all you need to know about this contest and how uncompetitive it was. But the big kind of story that came out of this game was actually Cody Waitman. So he kicked four goals for the match and all four of them came from free kicks. And that sparked a lot of controversy on social media, in the AFL, in the various AFL spaces. A lot of people were saying, you know, he was staging them, which I think a couple of them were dead set free kicks. There was a couple that looked a bit questionable, but the backlash that he received on social media was just completely unacceptable. People, you know, sending him death threats, you know, calling him a terrible player, you know, saying he's he should, you know, do whatever, which, you know, we just don't need in our game at all for any reason. Uh, what, what was your kind of takeaway from that one, Kat? What did you reckon? Um, regarding Cody Waitman, I thought it was a really disappointing display of sportsmanship from fans. I know it you can get quite emotional in a final, but it wasn't just Essendon supporters really bullying what is a frankly a 20-year-old. Our age cut. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's terrifying to think that you could cop that much abuse online. It really for him it would shadow what's really a really exciting moment. I think his first final to play. Hmm. I thought he was great. I think he's a firecracker on the field. He brings so much energy to the dogs. Yeah. I love him. But that being said, Norden complimented him with three goals. Libba was excellent through the midfield. He's got 35 disposals there. Jack McRae, consistent as always, 36 disposals, eight clearances. He's huge for the dogs. He's been such a consistent force despite their form later in the season. Bontem Pally proved why he's in contention for that brown though. I'm super excited to see how he goes. He's a terrific player. He is. He's been out of form. Not I wouldn't say out of form, but he's definitely dropped a little bit towards the end of the season. But he's just super exciting to watch. I can't wait to see him against the Lions. And I hope he does push forward a bit more. It'll be super exciting. But yeah, he's got he had eight inside fifties. That's so inspiring as a captain, especially with what they kicked 85 points for eight inside 50s he's just such a clear connection between their midfield and mm. you know he's a very skilled player but he's got such a level head and I think he's definitely the person in the dogs as stacked as their midfield is I think he's someone you want to be delivering the ball to you as a forward he's great 100% agree that being said it wasn't all doom and gloom for Essendon it's quite an achievement for them to make the finals that's huge Darcy Parrish was great. Second quarter, he had 16 possessions, 10 contested, six clearances, four inside 50 kicks, even pushed forward, kicked a really important goal. Yeah, as disappointing as it is for Essendon not to break that drought, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world and they're definitely going to keep developing, especially after, I know you and I talked about this, what seemed really terrible in the off-season. They looked like they had such a culture issue with everyone leaving. Yeah. So I thought it was really great for them, a really great outcome 
to make finals this year and prove everyone wrong where teams like West Coast and St Kilda who had such high expectations really missed out. You know, you've been spot on with all that, Kat. Very nice work. Um, <laughs> I think... That was a bit of an essay there. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, you're on the on the mark there with all your comments. I do think Essendon obviously has stuff to work on and people are going to make memes and crack jokes about their inability to win a, win a final, but <laughs> they're a rebuilding side. You know, we're, we're Hawthorne and Carlton fans. We can hardly talk about not winning at the moment. <laughs> so, you know, I think I think you know, every side has to go through this phase and hopefully they can they can build on this experience as a young side, being in a final, seeing what it's like to go to that next level of intensity and of performance and of pressure. And they can build on it and they can take something away from it and they can be back and better again next season. Anyway. Moving on from that, we do have a couple of games of footy coming up this weekend, which we're very excited for. The first one is Geelong playing the Giants in Perth at Optus Stadium on a Friday night. What do you reckon about this one, Kat? Yeah, I'm super excited. It'll be Jeremy Cameron facing his old side for the first time. Giants will lack Toby Green, as we've discussed before. Huge downside for them, but we'll see how that goes. I'm not too confident personally I'm tipping Geelong I think even though they've they didn't really impress last Friday night I do think they'll come out on top of this one and they're going to push for the premiership if they don't it's concerning but yeah what are your thoughts on it Mitch yeah I'm in the same camp as you I do think ultimately the Cats are going to get up I think they're the better side overall and yeah they've got the experience which does certainly count for something in the finals. That experience, that knowledge of what it's like to play under this kind of pressure is going to be handy for them. And I just don't think that the Giants are going to have the personnel that Port did to really take advantage of the Cats' deficiencies. And I think the Cats will do a better job getting the ball into their forward line. Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron and Rowan are going to have more opportunities to make their statement and make their mark on the game, and I think that they will, and they'll ultimately come away victorious. Uh, moving on from that one, the other game this weekend is the Lions v. the Dogs in Brisbane at the Gabba, so it's a Lions home game, which is very fortunate for them, one of the few clubs that can actually get a home final at this stage, given all the restrictions. So that's taking place on a Saturday night. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this one? It's a tough one. Like I said before, I'm really excited for it. I like to claim that I was born a Lions supporter despite following Carlton now. So interesting choice. Yeah, it wasn't, it was forced, but (laughs) (laughs) I got paid to transfer clubs. But that being said, I do really like these two teams. It's super exciting for the dogs. I think the dogs will get over to be honest. I just think they've been more consistent for longer, but if, Lions were to get on top, I really wouldn't be surprised. I think it could go either way. It depends what happens on the night. Yeah, we'll see how we go. Charlie Cameron will be super exciting for the Lions and we'll see if he can back up his performance. I was reading an article from Wayne Carey probably a week or so ago where he was trying to list each team's Dustin Martin. And what he meant by that was a player who was just going to take over the game and be a real impact player and just make the difference between two sides. And it's going to be interesting because both teams have those players on their team. Obviously, the Western Bulldogs have Bontempelli. He is very much in the Dustin Martin mold in terms of a midfielder who can play forward, who can impact the game, who can take the game by the scruff of its neck and really just take over. 
So they've got their player, but the Lions, by the same token, have their player. They have Charlie Cameron, who, if, if you let him get loose, he's going to wreak havoc and he's going to put on a real performance. And he proved that despite the loss this week or just previous week gone. And I think he'll be a real challenge for the Dogs to deal with this week as well. So, look, it's a tough one to pick. I'm going to go with the Lions just to be a bit of a uh, oppositionalist or yeah. just to be a bit spicy uh, in the discussion for this one. But look, like like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if either team got up. It's going to be a really good match. And that's at the end of the day, that's what I'm really excited for is just some more really good footy to watch. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it is a really good matchup. And I was a bit disappointed over the weekend with such big margins, obviously excluding Sydney versus GWS. But I'm thrilled. I think it'll be interesting to see how Joe Danaher goes for the Lions and for the Dogs. I'd love to see Cody Waitman at it again. I think he's <laughs> super exciting. Back it up with another four. Milk some free kicks. Who cares? <laughs> if they go into the Premiership, it's going to do it. So, yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure, Mitch. I'm super excited for the weekend of footy ahead. Take care, guys. Thank you very much for watching, and we will see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.